Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Seamus. Well, good morning. How are the anointed ministers of the gospel? How are they doing over here? All right. How are they doing over here? That's kind of old school. That's my basketball days, you know, just who gets a little bit louder than the other. So they're getting up these little, whoop, you're going to run me over. You're going to get these props up. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. And I want to talk to you today about temple, synagogue, and ecclesia. You are the ecclesia of God. We're called to govern. Oh, man. Come on. I got to get it from our house. We're called to govern. Right? We're called to legislate heaven to earth. And, uh, and so what we're going to... Woo, look at these guys. All right. I said, I said Acts chapter 2. Let's take a look at that. Right? 42 through 47. All right? You guys did a great job. Someone said, someone uh, was here for the very first time this morning. They became my really good friend when we were doing the greeting time. But they said, um, they're, they're just visiting from the East Coast. I think the East Coast. East Coast? East Coast? West Coast? West Coast? First time? First time? Anyway, <laughs> you look like Bill Johnson, is what she said. <laughs> never seen me before, ever. Maybe not ever, but never seen me before. And then this is when she became my good friend. She goes, you are the younger So I received the anointing, if Bill has that, you know, Bill has somewhat of an anointing. So I received that, and then I received the younger testimony. Everybody said, amen, and we all want to look a little bit younger. It's funny, because even when we were in the Philippines, I had someone come up to me, same old, same old. Isn't that weird? It's just weird. All right. Anyway, and I cut my hair shorter and everything, and I, anyway, I didn't cut my hair, my wife. Anyway, so praise God for the wives. And all the men said, amen. Amen. Oh, my gosh. We need. Praise God for the wives. And all the men said, that's a little bit better. You guys want to hear a joke? All right. So all you wives, all you wives, just bear with, just hang in there, okay? So don't say it. It's from a team over there. I said in our e-group last Tuesday, but let me just give you a short version of it before we jump into the book of Acts. We're going to have to go to the Bible after I share this joke. Uh, probably Ephesians chapter 5. Actually, it came from a Filipino pastor. So you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, so so uh, a gentleman, married couple, you know, um, they, the husband died and went to heaven. And Peter was there. You know, Peter's always at the gates, right? So Peter's at the gate. And uh, Peter's asking, you know, he's like, you know, waiting to go in. And Peter says, all you have to do is spell a word and you can get in. And so the the guy said, oh, that's great. I could probably do that. He goes, what's the word? And he goes, the word's love. Oh, that's simple. L-O-V-E. And he's like, that's it. You can enter in. And so as he is entering in, 
um, Peter said to the guy, hey, I gotta run a few errands. I'll be back in just a little bit. Can you man the gate? And the guy says, sure, I'll man the gate. So not too long, his wife appears. And his wife comes up and you know, she says, how, how do I get in? He goes, all you have to do is spell a, a simple, uh, just spell a word and you can, get on, you can get on in. And she goes, what's the word? And he said, Czechoslovakia. <laughs> Just kidding. We love families here. And anyway, the, you know, the people in the Philippines, they laugh at their own jokes. And I just found myself laughing with this guy. So I thought, I'd... I'm, not a, I, I'm not a joke. Uh, I don't remember jokes. You know, I, I remember that one. That's the only one I remember. I don't. Some guys, they have four or 500 jokes. You know, they just have them all stored up in there. And then, you know, it's a joke when they say it reminds me of a story of, you know, that reminds me of. This reminds me of, and then they have a joke. I don't remember jokes. Anyone here, you just don't remember? You, you love hearing them, but you just can't remember them. Anyone just, you just can't remember them, right? And then, there, and then there are guys who just, they have like 400, like I said. They just have them all locked in, and they're ready to go with, at any given moment, any given situation. So anyway, just, just release me of anything that you have towards me after sharing that joke. That's all, I'm, that's all I got to say. All right. So I want to talk to you about, about Ecclesia um, one more time, and I... I, I I want to say that um, I actually remember last week I was talking about the Philippines and I was talking about how God is doing something in that nation. And I do feel like uh, that particular nation could be a could be a um, a nation that actually gives birth to revival to the Asian nations. And I feel like it's um, for those of you who just weren't here last week that um, that could it be that the Lord is because we went up and down. That nation went seven regions. We covered 82 provinces. Spoke to, I don't know, 1,500 pastors and leaders, and um, and so really, truly, um, it's an ecclesia nation. And could it be that God is sending His Spirit there? And so I, you know, I always check the prophetic. I dial in the prophetic, and I just want to see what God's doing. So I was talking to Bobby Connor, who we all know and love here, and uh, you know, Bobby, um, <laughs> and so he. Uh, I, I said to him, um, are you going to, you need to go to the Philippines. Because, in, in, you know, they have, when they have a prayer meeting, it's 10,000 people. And so he goes, yeah, I'm going. And I said, oh, you already, yeah, I'm going in March. So this is when he was, or April, this is when he was just with us recently. And, uh, and I said, what's the Lord saying about the Philippines? And he says, God's going to pour his spirit out in that nation. And so I really feel like, well, he didn't say it like I just said it. You know, Bobby said it the way Bobby says it. And um, so I feel like it's an incubator nation. I feel like the Lord is doing something in that nation that's going to surprise the Asian, uh, the Asian region. I'm talking about Japan. I'm talking about Korea, North Korea, South Korea. I'm talking about Thailand. I'm talking about Malaysia. I'm talking about the, the, that the Lord is pouring his spirit out. And it could be possible that the Lord is going to use a nation to reach nations. And it could be possible that the Lord is using us to reach a nation. Isn't that amazing? That we're not the only voice, but we're, we're part of a team that the Lord is sending over there. It's one of the things I think about, because if, we're been there, if we've been to Philippines four times in 10 months, you have to ask the question, why are you sending us? You have to ask the Lord the question, why, why are you sending us there? What's the bigger picture? What's the prophetic picture? And how is Seahop involved? Because it's not just Greg and Wendy, it's all of us. It's all of us. And so um, last week we talked about, you know, uh, we just went over Psalm 2.8, which 
which is ask of me and I'll give the nations as an inheritance for you. And I feel like, you know, some people were like absolutely blown away. How many people came forward would have a call of God on the, uh, a call of God on them for the nations? And you guys know that the nations are here just represented in this room. You know what's interesting is that we had a, a intro class today. We had three people join around the tables, kind of what I do. Uh, sometimes we have 10, sometimes we have 15, sometimes we have two, sometimes we have three. You had three people. And those three people came from three different continents. And they're in this room. Isn't that amazing? So I make up the fourth continent. Because I was born and raised in Fremont, right? So that's, you know, North America, right? Continent, I don't know if that's a country or a continent. Anyway, North America. And uh, there was my geography right down. This. So let's kind of reverse that joke about heaven. But, uh, and, um, and they were from uh, Africa, Asia, and uh, the European nations. Uh, isn't that crazy? So even if, I, even if I just had a show of hands, how many people from, like, you originally weren't, aren't from the United States? In fact, let's just do that. How many feel you're not originally from the United States? Put your hand up. Look around the room. Wow. First of all, we say welcome. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? So we have the nations here. So when we say asking me and I will give the nations, just go to, uh, just go to your local grocery store, Costco, you know, go somewhere. The, the, nations are, the nations are here with us. And uh, it's a privilege to live in the Bay Area. I know a lot of people say things about the Bay Area, but man, God's planted us here. And uh, we can actually impact not only our region, but the nations by impacting the people here. So some people will pray and some people will go and some people will send. And we're excited about what the Lord's going to be doing. We're really praying for like three or four or five, well, I don't know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, three or four teams to go to the Philippines in the, in the summer. So really would encourage you to get your passports. Get them updated if you haven't, you know, some of you have to get them updated because they only last 10 years. So back to, back to uh, Book of Acts. So let me just settle something out really quick. The opposite um, the opposite of the devil is not Jesus. So the opposite of the devil is probably Michael or any other archangel. And so Jesus has no equal. Jesus is uncreated. So there's never, there's never a battle between Jesus and the devil. In fact, Jesus already took care of that victory on the cross. So we don't fight for victory, we fight from it. Right? So you are victorious. Everyone say that. I'm victorious. I'm victorious. You are victorious. The, the risen Savior lives inside of you. The enemy is defeated, and he's standing behind gates that are keyless. He has no keys to the gates of Hades. He has no keys. Why? Because Jesus took all the keys. Right? And he, he, made, he made a spectacle out of all principalities and powers, and he actually took the keys, and he, is, he, is, he has grabbed those keys, right, and he ascended, and now he has all, how much authority? He has all authority, right? And he's actually given the keys to, the keys are there for for his ecclesia to obtain and actually go through gates, right? So he's already, he is the ecclesia, and he's already gone, he's he's already gone in front of us. And so, man, that gives me a lot of hope. So I don't have to strive. I don't have to really perform. See, I don't live in reaction to the devil. I live in response to the Father. Come on. 
So, so you'll get tired reacting to the devil, but you won't grow tired responding to the Father because Jesus only saw what his Father was doing. That's why he can walk by the gate beautiful and not heal the man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3. He leaves that to Peter and John. I mean, think about the ministry of Jesus. He was, he was in the temple. That man was in, he was at the gate beautiful, beautiful from birth. That means Jesus walked by him. I can't even tell you how many times. Never healed him. Why? Because he didn't see the father healing him. But Jesus probably knew that Peter and John would. Isn't that amazing? I just think Jesus is super cool. I just think Jesus is super cool. It's okay to shout amen around here. You can nudge your neighbor and say, yeah, I guess get excited about Jesus. Come on, man. All right. So I was, while I was in the Philippines, I went ahead and we did our two-day two Ecclesia seminar, which hopefully was a dry, a dry seminar. <laughs> hopefully it was rich with anointing. But there was a gentleman that came up afterwards, and he really kind of put legs on it for us. And remember I told you that when you go travel, um, it's not just for you making a deposit for those that you're, you're going to. It's actually for them, too, to make a deposit back your way. And so it would be wrong for us to go to another nation and say, you know, we got the answers. We're from America. No, we got a lot to learn. And so, um, so I learned something, and I want to give it to you guys today. And uh, so I want to start with the book of Acts. And I want us to kind of be refreshed with Matthew 16, 18. And that is that Jesus said uh, in Matthew 16, 18, Peter gets the revelation that he's the Christ. And he says, um, upon the, that confession that I'm the Christ, I'll build my, the word there is not church, it's ecclesia. So the word church came along about 400 AD, and it was really not part of the equation. So if Jesus would have said church to the disciples, the disciples would have looked at each other and then looked at Jesus and said, what's a church? Because church wasn't around then. So, so what he did say is that upon the confession of I'm the Christ, which is king and deliverer, I'm going to build my ecclesia, which meant that um, he was going to establish his government on earth. Remember in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, he said, Unto us a child is, Isaiah prophesies, Unto us a child is born, son is given, and the government will be where? On his shoulders. So Jesus didn't bring a religion, he brought a government. Jesus didn't start a new religion, he actually brought a kingdom. And so he said in Matthew chapter 4, 17, he says, repent, change the way you think, because I'm bringing my kingdom with me, and if you don't change the way you think, you don't repent, you're going to miss my kingdom. And that's, what, that's exactly what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. Religion will always miss the kingdom. But who got it? The prostitutes did. The poor, the broken the ones that were needing a savior. And so Jesus comes bringing a government and the religious community did not shift the way they, didn't change the way they think and they actually saw the kingdom demonstrated. Come on, Jesus had the anointing without measure. I mean, what did that look like? I mean, honestly, what did that look like? 
You know what it says? It says that the miracles can't, this book can't even contain the miracles Jesus performed. What does that mean? That means that he did way more than what we read, what we read in Scripture. What does it look like to have the anointing without measure? I think he can go into a town and the Father is healing people that are six, seven hundred, eight hundred, a thousand yards away, spontaneously being healed. Jesus is stepping into a, 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 a city or a town and the, the anointing without measure is going this way and going this way and he's touching people, but other people are being healed all around. Can you imagine that? Wow. So Jesus literally legislated from heaven to earth. See, signs and wonders is a form of legislation. Intercession is a form of legislation. So an ecclesia, an ecclesia, for those who are new, for those who are like been here for two years, you, you understand what this guy's all about. So ecclesia was actually, that, that was a form of, that's how uh, cities were legislated. It was, uh, it was invented by the Greeks about 400 B.C., so in between the Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament, we have about 400 years. And so you have Maccabees and some of these other books that didn't make it into the canon of Scripture, but you have that 400-year gap. That's when the Grecian Empire became powerful, gained control, and they had formed governmental legislation uh, over cities called ecclesias. So when Jesus was around, so you have to fast forward 400 years, when Jesus was around, the ecclesia had been there for 400 years. What does that mean? That means that they had an ecclesia in Jerusalem. They had an ecclesia in Antioch. They had, they had ecclesias everywhere. Wherever the Grecian Empire was, the ecclesias were established. Well, we know that the, Greek, the Greeks fell out of power and the Romans came into power. And it became the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire um, maintained all the ecclesias. And they, uh, they ramped up the ecclesia. Now, what does that mean? That just means that they actually gave the ecclesia more authority. And so what they did is they actually uh, had ecclesias colonize regions. And they were colonized by, um, by men who were called apostles. And so these apostles were leaders of a, a fleet of ships that would actually leave Rome and they would travel to an, a designated area where Rome wanted to conquer. And in that area, they would release the apostle and they would release the ecclesia and they would actually, their job was to colonize that region so that region looked like Rome. See, that's why Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia. He had to quantify it because he didn't say a ecclesia, it's my ecclesia. So the simple, the simple thing that we have to kind of grab a hold of really quick this morning is that Jesus didn't come bringing a religion. Jesus didn't come bringing church. Jesus came bringing a government. We can say amen to that, right? We can be in agreement there, right? He came, he bring, so we, we call that government the kingdom. So it's more, the kingdom is more than the gospel of salvation. The gospel of the kingdom is broader Right? It's where it's the place where Jesus inhabits. He's the king of his kingdom. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And it's it's all about his kingdom. So Jesus then, if that's the if you follow my logic, 
then Jesus, when he came, then he had to be, and he came bringing a kingdom, so he actually came legislating heaven to earth. Matthew 6, 10, right? On earth as it is in heaven. That's the will of God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your what? Will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. So really, it's all about a, a loving father, king, a kingdom, and a royal family. You're part of it. Isn't that awesome? So, so really, the measurement, the measurement for us is not so much attendance. Though I love attendance. I love the crowd today. I love that you're all here. You guys all look great. You guys are all smiling. Some of you are from different nations of the world. Some of you just need to smile. In fact, I'm going to give you permission to smile at the person next to you. Hopefully you brushed your teeth, but go ahead. Smile at the person next to you because you need to smile. I think the ecclesy of God needs to smile a lot more. That's why I love that song that Alyssa sang because it talked about God smiling. And we have a picture of Jesus being so serious, but I think he smiled an awful lot. He had to. Look who he was with. He picked those guys, right? He probably just went like this. You guys, man, you know? We have to have a picture of God smiling. You know, he's not phased. He's not shaken. He's not rattled by our political system. Heaven's not, you know, insecure. God governs the nations. So there's security for us. He's in control. Yeah, so, so I think what's important for us is everyone's talking about the left and t- talking about the right. We have to start look. We have to, we don't forget the up and the down. Heaven to earth. So we can get so caught talking about the left and talking about the right and your political view is the left, your political view. We gotta start as believers in the kingdom. We talk about up and down. We talk about heaven coming to earth. It's okay to be concerned with left and right. That's okay, that's cool. I'm just saying that that can't be my primary focus. My primary focus has to be heaven to earth. Yeah? You guys okay? All right, so when Jesus came, to, when Jesus came from heaven to earth, in fact, it says in, the, it, says, it says in the epistles, right, we live from the unseen realm to the seen realm. So we're actually seated with Christ in Heavenly places, right? So, so we're seated with him in heavenly places, and so we actually are to have dominion from heaven to earth. Dominion is not a scary word. It doesn't mean lord it over. It's just that you're ruling with Christ. And we know in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So that's what we're doing. When we, when we pray for someone and they become healed, that means that darkness has left and light has come. We're bringing heaven to earth. Don't bind the darkness. Just bring light. If I turned off all the lights in this room and it was black in this room, it just, just go to the light switch to get the light on and fill the room and darkness leaves. There's no challenge. Darkness is just the absence of light. So we bring light. That's what we teach about binding and loosing. Don't shaka ka ka all this kind of stuff. Bind this and do that and shaka. Just bring light. Yeah. 
right? Just bring light. <laughs> that reminds me what he's like. Anyway, so just, so just bring light. All right, let's focus on bringing light. I was going to go somewhere, and Wendy's going to shake her head. And boy, I, had, I was doing that when I was in the Philippines, and oh, man, I had everyone on the ground laughing. And Wendy's just like, you just rolled with it. Once you saw them, you ever, you ever anyone like that? Like, you get someone laughing, you just kind of, you just kind of roll with it. So uh, we were doing that. And, yeah, I was kind of anyway. So, so, so for some reason we got we have binding and loosing all tweaked, you know. And I think that we have to. We, so we bear the light, and we walk in the light. The light is inside of us, so we bring the light. And so we don't we don't want to bring we don't want to bring church to people. We want to bring the government of God to people. We want to bring Jesus to people. So when Jesus. So when Jesus, um, when Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he was gonna uh, that he was gonna establish his ecclesia, that's the first revelation that we have to receive. So he didn't say church. That kind of changes a few paradigms. Church is important. Gathering is important, but it's not the primary importance. The primary the thing is is that you can have 4,000 people in the church building and your city doesn't look like anything less doesn't look like heaven anymore than it did 15 years ago. The thing is, is that are our neighborhoods looking more like heaven? Is the place where you work looking more like heaven? Are we bringing the influence of heaven to where we live and to where we work? That makes sense? Well, how do you know that? Because in the United States, the biggest churches have the highest level of crime. Not in the church, but in the city. So we have, we have people, we, we're trying to bring people in because that's how we feel, that's, that's what the measure of success is. Though I value people gathering and being equipped, I, I, I value that. That's not the ultimate measure. The measure is, how's the Bay Area looking more like Christ? Is heaven coming into our region? Well, heaven comes not through a meeting. Heaven comes through a life. It's his life through your life. Heaven is always made manifested through your life. Because we, have, we, have, we, we are part of an invisible kingdom. But it's made manifest through people. You guys okay? So, so that's our calling. So you're, that, what does that mean? That means that the playing ground is equal. That means that I'm on the same floor that you're on. That means that though we need to have pastors and leaders that actually equip the saints for the work of the ministry, what we've got into is that we've almost... We've almost kind of deified the stage and, and we've minimized the crowd. That's not the gospel. My calling is different than your calling. We're all ministers. So you have access to the same anointing that I do. Come on now. And that could, be, that could be awesome for some, and that could be kind of not awesome for others. Only because is that, that means I'm responsible. You see? But you are responsible. And we're going to stand before the Lord, and he's going he's to ask us, he's going to look into our lives, and what did you do with the measure I gave you? Well, I thought the pastor was supposed to do that. No. Because on August 19th, you were sitting in a room... And there was a pastor I was using to tell you that you are just as anointed as he is. Right? And I would pray that you're more anointed. 
Seriously, I would pray you're more anointed. I am a, I, I'm all about, I don't like to talk about like myself. If I get around with you, I'm asking you questions because I care about your life. I'm not here to, you know, we're not, we're not busting down doors to get to a, into a nation. Those doors are just opening to us. And I like that, right? I like that, I like that. So you're, so you're a minister of the gospel. You are, Holy Spirit is inside of you. You are fully equipped and fully anointed. Say amen. amen. You are. And so Jesus in Matthew 16, and now I'm getting back to what's behind me. So that was all introduction. So Jesus in Matthew 16, 18, because I wanted you all to get on the same page. We're all on the same page, right? Yep. Amen. So Jesus in Matthew 16, 18 says, I'll build my ecclesia. Super crucial. The reason why it's crucial is because I don't want this to be just a teaching point. I don't want this to be, um, ecclesia is not a fad. Ecclesia is not something that's here, and then two years later it's this, it's that. No, this is what Jesus said. And if Jesus said it, then we have to be super, super, pay super, super a lot of attention to what he said. Because if we miss what Jesus says, we miss really our mission. And we're out of alignment. My belief, personally, is that once we come into alignment with the assignment, there's no other rhyme after that, but anyway, <laughs> rhyme, I'm thinking of one, you know? <laughs> alignment with the assignment will, anyway, so can't think of one. But, but for so long, what we've tried to do is we've, I think we've, we've kind of done the best we could with the revelation we had. So in other words, when I'm a Bible college graduate, I went four years to Bible college, never heard about Ecclesia ever. I heard about how to grow a church. I heard about breaking the 200 mark, 400 mark, 600 mark, 800 mark, 1200 mark. That, I understand. I'm not saying those are not tools for us, but that's not my assignment. My assignment is to co-labor with him as Ecclesia. That's my assignment. That's why he's at the gates of Hades. That's why he's in the deepest, darkest, most demonic realm of his day and not sharing the revelation in Jerusalem, in the temple. Why does Jesus, Jesus choose the gates of Hades? Because that's where he wants to send the ecclesia. And that's what he did. He went through the gates, he took the keys, and he came out victorious, and now he says, access those keys and do the same. And I'm with you. Do you know that Jesus wants to go through the gates too? What are the gates? Corruption. Trafficking, people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, our education system, our governmental system, businesses, it's all part of the kingdom. He wants to bring it all into the kingdom for his glory and honor. Yeah, so there's no distinction between the, let's just say it this way, there's no distinction between the, uh, the minister and the lay leaders, You'll never see lay leadership in the Bible. Not there. Because it was never there. We created that. Are you guys okay? You guys are really quiet. Did I say Acts chapter 2? I did, didn't I? So he's, he's wanting to establish his ecclesia, and God's using it. I mean, so many people are beginning to preach on it, but it's revelation by the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 2. 42 through 49, and I just want you to see the paradigm, right? So again, when we look at the book of Acts, 
They did not have a church paradigm. They had an ecclesia paradigm. Super crucial. So I want to read it through two lenses, a church lens and a Western uh, democracy lens. There was neither then. They lived in a kingdom, not a democracy, not a republic, and they did not, they had an ecclesia paradigm, and there was no actual plan B. There was no church paradigm. Right? That didn't happen until about 325 AD when Constantine legalizes Christianity and they build cathedrals. That's where the word church came. Oh, come on now. Yeah? Some of you are hearing this for the first time. You're staring at me. Is this guy real? I don't even think he looks like Bill Johnson. (laughs) They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Remember, they were all millennial. The apostles were like 24 years old. How many in this room are like 30 and under? Put your hand up. See? Those 30 and unders changed the world. Well, how, how, can you, how can you say that? Because a disciple was never older than their rabbi. So if you put Jesus at about 33, that means they had to at least, when they started following him at 30, that's when rabbis actually pulled, got students to follow them at the age of 30. That means they were all in their 20s. And I would even argue that John, the one who wrote, yes, answer the phone, the, the one who wrote Revelation, if you put Revelation in about 95 AD, then I think John was maybe 19. Can you imagine? That's how crazy God is. Crazy good, you know? Well, here we are in Acts chapter 2. There's an explosion in the spirit, and you have a bunch of millennials running the ecclesia. 3,000 get saved. And if you go from Acts 1 to Acts 8, a year and a half, 20,000 saved. And those are just Jews. Because the gospel hadn't even gone to the Gentiles yet. That's Acts 10. Remember Cornelius? Yes, when Peter has the vision about food. If you're going to get a man's attention, give him a dream about food. Especially meat coming down on a sheet. You're going to get, you're going to get, you're going to get. So Peter's like, whoa, I like that, you know. So it doesn't even come to the Gentiles until then there's a real explosion that takes place in the spirit. So here they are, Acts chapter 2. And they're devoting themselves to prayer, which is they're legislating. They're listening to the millennial teachers. That's crazy, huh? All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. I mean, that was one of the main, it wasn't like um, just give to the benevolence program in the church. I mean, they were giving to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. Every, every what? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. 
and ate together. Everyone say amen, ate together. They ate together, amen, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of people. And the Lord added to their number or to the church, the New King James Version says, and to the church or the ecclesia daily, those who were being saved. So people were being saved when? At a weekly meeting? If the pastor has an altar call, maybe? Come to Convergence House of Prayer because you need to find Jesus. Well, why don't you just lead that person to Jesus? So they were getting saved daily. All I'm doing is I'm just kind of simply drawing a comparison, right? They were meeting needs daily. People were getting saved daily. They were meeting in homes daily. They were doing all these things daily. Why? Because they had an ecclesia paradigm and not a church paradigm. We tend to want to do things weekly. So we, we, our e-groups gather monthly, you know, weekly, event-driven. So the ecclesia is people-driven, right? The ecclesia is being light in the community. It's taking ownership for your neighborhood and for your workplace, that you actually look at your work as not as a burden, but actually a worship, as an offering to the Lord, wherever he has you. You're, you're there on assignment. You're, on there by, you're there on divine assignment because you're a minister of the gospel. There was no quantification, you know, between what this, was, this person's ministry is, that person's ministry is. No, they had an ecclesia paradigm. That's why in a year and a half, 20,000 Jews get saved. There's more in this room than there were in the upper room. What's the difference? Well, one of the differences, they didn't have a church paradigm. They had an ecclesia paradigm. All right. So Jesus said that he is going to build his ecclesia. We say amen to that. You're part of it. You've been drafted. You only have a choice. You're part of his ecclesia. You're part of his legislative assembly. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's why it says you get to rule and reign with them. Isn't that awesome? Don't look at me like that. Is that awesome? Yeah, that's so awesome. It's who you are. See, I'm ta- I'm not, I understand our relational identity of sons and daughters. I'm talking about our functional identity, how we are to the world. That's why you take them to the gates and not to a synagogue with the revelation. Oh, come on now. All right. So there's, two th- there's a couple things that he did when he actually said, I will build uh, my ecclesia. What he did is that um, there were three institutions. There was the temple, Jesus' day. There was the temple. This is kind of a cheesy. Anyway, but it's great. Thank you for ever put this together because at least you can read it, right? All right, so there's the temple. There's the temple, there's the synagogue, and there was the ecclesia. You have to get the revelation that the ecclesia was alive and well when Jesus was on the earth. You have to get the revelation that the ecclesia was there 400 years before he was even born. The ecclesia is how they legislated cities. You have to get that revelation. If you don't, just go to, a, just go to Wikipedia. Just do, do your own study. I'm telling you, the ecclesia was around alive and well. So there was three institutions. This one here was religious. It was a temple. This one here 
was religious, and this one here was governmental. So here, we know that Jesus said that he's going to build his ecclesia, right? That's shocking to me, because the temple was there during, beginning during the reign of Solomon. Like, why would Jesus, if we read through the entire Old Testament, and the temple was there for so, so long, he doesn't say temple. And the synagogue came into existence about 350 BC. You have to do, it's really kind of sketchy. I didn't do a deep study on it. But that kind of came around about 350 BC, and that's where they met once a week on a Saturday. Go into a house, the word of God is read, the Torah was read, and there was fellowship around the word. But Jesus is standing up with his 12 disciples, and he's in, he's in front of the gates of Hades, and he doesn't say temple. He doesn't say, upon the confession of faith, I'm going to build my temple, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. Why? Because the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So Jesus, is, he knows the future, Right? So he knows the temple's going to go goodbye, A.D. 70. Rome's going Rome's to just take it out. And they did, A.D. 70. So he doesn't use the temple. He could have used the synagogue, but he doesn't use the synagogue. Those are both religious structures, and he visited synagogues. Paul visited synagogues. He doesn't say any of those. He says, I'm going to build my ecclesia. He uses a secular word, a governmental, legislative, secular word. Is that crazy? Why? Because he didn't bring a religion. He brought a kingdom. So you have to start, now you have to put your thinking caps on, right? Put your, you know, get it on there, right? You guys are smart, intelligent, like, so you have to think about this for a moment. So how, what does that look like? So if Jesus was going to, if he knew that he was going to bring, the temple was gone and the synagogue was gone and he was going to bring the ecclesia, that he had to have demonstrated it. That's why, it doesn't, that's why the, the Bible's virtually silent on church planting. Why is that? Because he had this in mind the whole time. So he was more concerned on teaching us how the kingdom works, how the government of God works. That's what his focus was. So he's, he's talking like this. The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like that. He's demonstrating the kingdom because he's bringing a government and he's going to leave us with a government. And he's the king of the government. It's called the kingdom. You guys? All right. But there's a couple of components that he brings from both. So I'm going to move this over here. So what he's going to do, because it's his ecclesia, he's going to bring the presence into his ecclesia, the indwelling spirit, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and Jesus lives in you, right? So the presence of God is in you. So you are a temple. You are the temple, Scripture says, of the living God. So we, can we say amen to that? Well, if you're going to bring the presence, 
then you're going to have to bring worship and prayer right along with it. Because that's how we access presence. So not only is the presence in us, we can actually access the presence through our worship and prayer. So now the temple is vacated because worship, the presence and worship and prayer are part of ecclesia. All right, so let me challenge you. Did Jesus live from the presence? It's not a trick question. Yes. He lived from heaven to earth, right? Totally. He was like with his father. He was abiding, John 15. Right? Totally connected. Heaven to earth, right? Did he spend time in worship and prayer? Did he talk to the father? Did he commune? The answer is yes. So as the ecclesia, Jesus lived from the presence, and he was a person who was connected to the father in communion. Oh, come on now. All right. So the other thing that he took was the word. Right? He moved it from the synagogue to the ecclesia and fellowship. Right? So how do we know that? Well, we know that Jesus had his 12. He was connected relationally. And we know that Jesus knew the word more than all the other ones because he said it even at the age of 12. Right? He's reading out of Isaiah. And these guys are astounded. This guy's only 12 years old, and he's reading the, he's reading the, old, or the, you know, the scrolls that they were reading. He had the word in him. So we have now, we have the ecclesia that's governmental. We have the ecclesia that is filled with presence, worship, the word, and fellowship, but we're not a religious institution. We're not governed by events. We are actually a living, breathing human being that has the presence of God in us, and we function as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So now we move governmentally in authority, in a love relationship with the Lord. So we're connecting vertically, heaven to earth, sons and daughters. And then we're moving out horizontally, and we're actually destroying the works of the enemy, not as a temple, not as the synagogue, but as ecclesia. That's what you are. That's what I am. So what does that mean? Like, what are the implications of that? Well... That means that hopefully all of you in the room could say amen to this. We carry the presence. I'm not going to even go on until we get all a big amen out of that. I mean, without the presence, we're nothing. We're connected to the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship in spirit and truth. We commune with the Lord. Prayer. Prayer is not a task. It's communion. Prayer is more than 30 minutes that you have in the morning. Prayer is a lifestyle. 
And then we have the word. Right? This is heaven's constitution. This is how we govern our life, the word. Come on, we gotta get a better, we gotta get more of an amen than that. Sorry, I'm really asking for some amens because you guys are kind of, anyway. We have the word. And the word is life-giving. The word of God actually frees us to be all we can be. So remember I told you, it can get down to Christian life, can get down to, this is the 15-year-old. Read the word, do what it says. Remember the 15-year-old who said, who said, I think I have the answer to Christianity. I'm like, who are you? You're only 15. I'm the youth pastor. She goes, I think it's like, read the word and do what it says. <laughs> Mic drop. Read the word, do what it says. I mean, you're, you're, you're already the temple. The presence of God is already in you, right? He's dwelling in us. We're in communion with the Father. Read the word, do what it says. When we, when, we, when we read the word and don't do what it says, we just get ourselves all jacked up. Life falls apart around us. We think we can beat the system. You're not designed to live in sin. Sin is unnatural. You're designed to live for the, in the glory. You're designed to live in the presence. It's not like taking your computer and throwing it in a pool and trying to plug it in somewhere. Not designed to work in a pool. Uh, that's a weak example, but that's the only one I can think of right now. And then fellowship. We're connected one to another. We're not isolated. That means you take your, your earbuds out when you're with people. That you actually connect with people, talk with people. Be in community with one another. My son. Be in community with one another, right? So, so I want you to think this. I want you to think a little bigger now, all right? So this is who you are. Let me ask you a question. Where would Abraham sit? Did Abraham sit here? Did Abraham sit here? He legislated and governed. Where did David sit? Well, did David sit here? He was king. Wasn't he a king? Synagogue? I mean, he loved the presence, right? right? He loved the tabernacle, but he functioned here because you could still have that as ecclesia. It's not one or the other, right? David. What about Joseph? Here? Here or here? We're talking about Old Testament now. Right? What about Gideon? Here? Here? Or here? Right here. I mean, we can go through the list, right? Of Old Testament, right? What about Esther? No? No? Right here. Let's go, let's jump in the New Testament. What about Jesus? No? Did he visit the temple? Yeah. Because it says in the book of Acts, they, they, were, they went to the temple and house to house, right? So, 
So this is important right here. It's the gathering. But what, what, was, what was his life all about? Here? <laughs> Jesus was the example of ecclesia. He destroyed the works of the enemy. He was in the temple, but he was on the streets. He talked to the poor, the broken, the tax collector, talked to the prostitute, talked to the Samaritan woman. Why? Right here. What about Paul? Where do we put Paul? Here? Here? Right here. You know that in Acts chapter, I don't know, I can't remember, 15? That actually everything shifts away from Jerusalem to Antioch. All three of Paul's missionary journeys came out of Antioch. That's a Gentile city. That's a city that's actually 300 miles north of Jerusalem. That's a city that's actually a two-week journey. Today, we can just get in our car and be there in four hours. But it took them two weeks to go from Jerusalem to Antioch. What about Peter? Here, here, or here? Ecclesia. They governed and legislated from heaven to earth. So what about you? It's not a trick question. <laughs> not you. No. Yes. Yeah. See, here is an ecclesia gathering. We're being equipped to go. We're, 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 we're encouraging each other. We're worshiping together. That totally counts. And I love that. But I'm telling you that really we can't separate what happens here and what happens there. That makes sense? That's why you hear people say, that's why you hear people say he's one way at church and he's another way at home. Why? Because we've separated the two. You see? We are, let's just use the word that we all know, right? We are the church, and we meet. We are the ecclesia, and we gather, right? We don't go to church. And I have so much of that paradigm in me, I can't even tell you how many long talks I've had with the Lord about it. I mean, I, I, am, in, I am drenched because I've been in ministry 33 years, Full-time ministry, 33 years. And so when the Lord comes telling me, no, no, this is what you're all about right here, that means, oh, I'm going to have to get out of my office and be in the city and, like, talk to a bunch of people and connect and, like, what's that going to look like? Because we like our routine. You know, in the book of Acts, they didn't have, like, 
worship bands, TV monitors, Instagram, Facebook. They had Jesus and the, the ecclesia, right? They were the ecclesia of God. What does that mean? Let me just kind of wrap it up, right? I keep asking you what it means. Just broaden it. So, so what we do is we have a, now I'm speaking to all the entrepreneurs out there, all the business people. I'm talking to the corporate. So what we do is we start a business and we try and put the kingdom in it. I want to give you, a, I just want to give you a revelation, if you didn't already know, that you actually put your business in the kingdom. You don't put your, you don't put your, the kingdom in your business. Your business fits into the kingdom. You don't put the kingdom in your house. You put your house in the kingdom. What does that mean? That means that in our home, this should be happening. If you own a business, this should be happening. It's a paradigm shift, right? So I want you to see something as I close, because I thought I'd be done at 12.15. Go ahead, put that first slide up, if you guys don't mind. So when we were in the Philippines, this company, multi-million dollar company, um, are we gonna get that up there or not? Beautiful. Here's their mission statement. Because they took Ecclesia, and they put their business in the kingdom. Instead of, so what do they have in their business? They have worship. I'm not kidding you. They have a prayer room in every business. In every hotel, there's a prayer room. So there's the presence. They have fellowship and Bible study as part of their business because they haven't made a distinction between the secular and the sacred. They are, they are a kingdom, they are ecclesia, and they're functioning as an ecclesia, so that means that the business fits in the bigger picture, and this is just what we do as ecclesia. That makes sense? So their mission statement is to establish the kingdom of God in the business, education, and government pillars by raising up sons and daughters functioning as an ecclesia. That's their mission statement for their company. Wow, what if that happened with Facebook? Get a vision. So then, this is their vision statement. We are God's sons and daughters functioning as ecclesia, forcefully advancing the kingdom of God in the business, education, and government pillars of society in the Philippines and in other selected countries of the world. Isn't that amazing? First time I've ever seen a company that actually took this and said, this is who we are, we're putting that into the kingdom, and we're running our business from the ecclesia paradigm. But I want you to see what's really important. I want you to see that, that they have the vertical part of it, which is sons and daughters, right? Relationally connected, Father, heart of God, 
love in Jesus, and then they have the horizontal focus as the ecclesia. Right now, they are fairly close. This company is fairly close to ending poverty of food. Uh, what is it? Uh, feeding the world, non-GMO. Non-GMO. What does it mean? Does that mean they just kind of sit back and not do anything? No. No, they're forcefully advancing. And God is, now they're in alignment and now favor from heaven is coming on them. It's the same way it is with you as it is with a company. We don't try and fit the kingdom in us. We actually function from the kingdom, from heaven to earth. way it is with our homes hopefully this is in our in our homes if it's not what we do is we just go to church and then we leave when we go home and we leave all this in the building right it's really quiet right now but it's all for our highest good this is how you're wired. You're wired to live from this place. What will happen is that if you don't, you'll just get bored in church. How many people are in our city that used to go to church? Pastors are bored. Members are bored. Because we're trying to function out of a paradigm and not his. So we have pastors who are spinning all the plates they're doing all the programs. If you want someone to get saved, bring them to church, because I don't want to take responsibility to disciple you. I'll give you to the pastor and let him disciple you. The problem is, is that we're actually shortchanging ourselves. How do you know that? Because conservatively, 80% of believers never lead someone to Christ. What do you mean? That means that 20% is getting the job done. While 80%... They don't even know how to lead someone to Jesus. You're robbing yourself of the greatest joy that you can possibly have in leading someone to the Lord. I'm this I'm talking about. So there, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna shift things a little bit. You know what? And um, I'm all about the glory of God in you and me. And I need. To function like this. And too often I'm functioning like this as a senior pastor. So I'm even, I'm actually exploring. What does that even look like? You have to, un, it might take three or four or five years for me to kind of get to this place where like I understand my identity now. Like I understand what my identity is. It's learning how to live from it. Does that make sense? So I just want to encourage you. I'm in the same boat that maybe a lot of you are. You know, I, I go to the Lord. How do we do this? How do we do this? But I know that's what the right thing is. You know what I'm saying? If I know what the right thing is, then I know the Father is like, he's super gentle. And he's super merciful. Aren't you glad? Yeah. And so that's what he's doing. That's what you think he's doing. This is what I think he's doing right now in that nation. In the Philippines. Because when you see businesses coming like that, I mean, multi-million dollar businesses like are high standing in that nation, 
and they are actually putting their vision and mission statement with Ecclesia and sons and daughters? They got it. Wow. All right, so let's stand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. <laughs> pray for us. Oh, man, I just want to sit right here. I just want to sit right here. I just want to sit right here. You know, this is where I want to sit, you know. Anyway. <clears throat> you know, there was a couple things I want, to, I want to go after at the end here. And Kenny is, I think Kenny just turned 18. He's playing keyboards right now. Is that right? I love embarrassing you, man. Kenny's a regular at our house on Saturday nights, and then we get him here. So, um, I would just like to know around the room if you want to start a kingdom business or have a business, or even a ministry for that matter, because some ministries don't fit here. Some ministries are for their own persons. Do you know what I'm saying? A little bit more self promoting. But if you want to you start a kingdom business or you have a business and you want it to be for God's glory, I just want you to put your hand up. Wow, I have so many of you. Praise God. Keep your hand up. Wow. I don't even know what to do right now. That is so many of you. All right. I would just encourage you to go ahead and keep your hand up. I know your hand will get tired, but I, I'm going to move really quickly. I guess if you're here this morning too, if you want to bring heaven's influence into your sphere of influence, I want you to put your hand. I'm talking about your home. I want to talk about your day-to-day. And you are saying, I, I am Christ's ecclesia and I want to function from that reality. I don't know all the answers. I don't know how to quite do it, but that's where my heart's at. Would you just go ahead and put your hand up real quick? And then what I felt like the Lord wanted us to do is just, you guys, I just want to invite you up here for five minutes. I just want to pray for you. So make your way to the front if you have your hand up. And I just want, to, I just want us to pray. I just want us to pray. I should probably move this chair this way, huh? Was that helpful for you guys? You know what the Father is so delighted right now? I mean, we just want to break off any striving in the name of Jesus, any shame in the name of Jesus, any of that kind of stuff. We just want to break that off you. And I want to just want to release you to the, the love of the Father who is actually smiling at you right now. All of heaven is smiling at you guys right now. All of us here this morning, they're smiling. And just want, I just wanted you just to talk to the Lord while Kenny's playing. And just say, Lord, here I am. I just want to be your ecclesia. I want, if you have a business, that you just want to give that business to the Lord. You just want to recommit. Maybe it's a ministry God's having you start or you're engaged with. That you just commit that ministry to the Lord. And that you actually ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, I don't want the kingdom to fit into my business. I want my business to fit into the kingdom. I want it to fit into the kingdom, into all that. I don't, want, I don't want Jesus to be fit into my ministry. Isn't that weird? That might sound weird, but it's true. 
I don't want Jesus to fit into my ministry. I want to put my ministry in the kingdom. I, want to, I just don't want to fit my, the kingdom into my home. I want my family and my home to be in the kingdom. And I want to establish these things in my, in my home and in my business and the things that you've called me to. So won't you just take a moment, just, take, just cry out to the Lord, ask him for that. And then, um, and then I'll pray for you at the very end. I feel like that's what the Lord wants us to do. So go ahead. Just use, talk to the Lord right now. I want you to go ahead, just take the hand of the person next to you, begin to pray for them now. All right? Just let's pray one for another. Just begin to pray for them. Release your kingdom. Release your kingdom. Release your kingdom. Help us to live as the ecclesia of the living God. So, Lord, we just come into agreement with Matthew 6, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek first the kingdom of God. 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 I pray, Lord, right now that you would release divine strategies from heaven. I pray, Lord, for the prophetic anointing to flow in this room. Release divine strategies, God. Release ways, things that, that are just not common to anybody, but they're coming from heaven. I pray, God, for the resources. God, I pray that we would come into a place of divine alignment in our assignment, Lord God, and that from at that point, you're gonna pour your spirit out. I pray you pour your spirit out on every business in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that you would not only fill the entrepreneur with your anointing and power, but God, I pray that you would have us not only be entrepreneurs, but God, pray for businesses to come out of, from the businesses that we start, like there'd be a multiplication that takes place in the name of Jesus. And Father, we just don't want to put something into our business. God, we want our business to be squarely put prophetically in the kingdom of God. I just feel like the Lord just wants us to prophetically put our lives into the kingdom, I guess if I can say that, our homes into the kingdom, our businesses into the kingdom. We wanna function from heaven to earth. We wanna release heaven to earth. 
And so we do so in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for divine appointments this week, divine surprises this week, things that will take place from the kingdom standpoint, Lord God. As we yield, God, we just, we just trust you with all the things that you have for us. And we give you praise for it, Lord. Help us to function as Christ's ecclesia. Lord, not just some kind of nice teaching point, not some nice revelation, but God, we're praying for life transformation. The Bay Area is waiting for sons and, the sons and daughters of God to arise with an ecclesia paradigm that we actually govern and we actually legislate for your glory and for your honor, Lord. Teach us how to do this practically in Jesus' name. And we just pray for each other, yeah. We pray for each other. May we love well. May we love well. May we love well. May we love well. Yeah, Jesus. I feel like the Lord's going to give you some people here dreams this week. The Lord's going to give you dreams, maybe even a vision that you're gonna have divine strategies downloaded from heaven to earth, honestly. And that could be for a business, that could be for your home. That could be for your marriage, your family. I mean, what would it be like if we just had all of our homes be Ecclesia homes? Honestly, just think about that for a moment. I know it's a radical idea where you, you know, we actually are the ecclesia at home as well as at Convergence. Like we don't go to church and act one way there and then another way at home, no. Like that we break that division. And that prayer and worship, the word and fellowship are connected to our homes as ecclesia. That we actually have kingdom businesses that are gonna be I don't know, that are going to rise up, really, in the Bay Area. I mean, that is our inheritance. The tech world is our inheritance, right? It's part of our inheritance. That means that you have an anointing for, this, for that kind of a business here as well because it's filled with entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. So Lord, I just, want to, I just want to take a moment. I just want to pray for those that have this entrepreneurial spirit. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Like, I, I'm troubled when I hear, you know, when, at Passion Talks, they want me to come and close the meeting because they want, they, want the, they want the people that are in the meeting, in the Passion Talks, to be validated by the clergy. That troubles me. That should never happen. I should never have to go up in front of a group of people who are entrepreneurial, who are changing things and validate them from my office. That is so not New Testament. So we just want to cancel that over any of you guys. You feel, if you feel any way, any way shape, or form unvalidated, unvalidated or invalidated, I don't know what the right word is, I just break that off of you in the name of Jesus. You are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have Jesus in your heart. You carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit within you. I mean, signs and wonders will follow those who believe in the name of Jesus. That's the promise. 
That's the promise. Signs and wonders will follow those not who are in the fivefold, but for all those who believe. You and me. And we just on this journey together. We're just on this journey together in the name of the Lord. And I'm believing for amazing things this week. I, I am believing for revival to break out in the name of Jesus. Why not? Why not here? Why not now? Why not? We just take all the limitations off, all the reasons. You know, we, sometimes we just talk our way out of it. Well, it can't because of this and that. We just talk our way out of it. All of heaven is like, you know what? You serve a God of the, the, the one who takes care of impossibilities. There's no, nothing that's impossible with God. Not one thing. So let it start in this, in this little room in the Bay Area. Let it start. Let it start. Let it start. The fire start. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. All right, just go ahead and bless the person on your left and right. Just say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I just bless you in the name of Jesus. Yeah, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening. Oh,